Hi guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of Let's Chat Ethics. I'm your co-host, Ariana. And I'm your other co-host, Amanda. And this week, (laughs) we're going to talk about an article in The New Yorker that came out last week. Um, And it's an article by Matthew Hudson called Who Should Stop Unethical AI? Um, And the article is talking about the issue of... Um, computer science conferences or artificial intelligence conferences and unethical research um, or research that, well, I guess, yeah, unethical research in many different aspects, right? So whether the application of the the system that is being talked about is unethical or uh, maybe if there's some questionable things about the, the process. And this is something that we talked about a few episodes ago. I guess it was last year already. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. Time flies. Um, Yeah, I think it ties into a a few of our previous episodes. So I think the the episode we did about whether unethical research should be published, obviously, is relevant to this. And uh, I think also the episode we did about companies funding um, AI research and whether this gets published, because also this week... Google fired Margaret Mitchell. Which is crazy. Yes. A lot's been happening in Google. Yeah, this has been kind of... um, What's the word I'm looking for? The the leftovers are like a knock-on effect from uh, Timnit's firing in December, was it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Yes, this this week in AI ethics has been crazy, crazy. I know. I feel like at the moment it's hard to keep up with everything that's happening in the AI and especially the AI ethics world. It seems that there's um, yeah, I mean a lot of drama. I feel like it seems it's happening on on Twitter where you're kind of seeing it unfold. But honestly, mm. I'm still I'm still in shock about how Google have handled this whole. Um, this whole this whole thing like I, I really am I'm in shock about how I know we spoke about in that episode about Timnit how we would be interested to see how Google handle this going forward well um, like, like honestly like the CEO Sundar <laughs> yeah. came out and he didn't apologize he did the classic thing that people do and companies do he's like I'm sorry if you feel that way not we're sorry we so no apology to Timnit for how she was treated and then the knock-on effect is now the firing of Margaret. Yeah, it's been a crazy time. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm very. I'm just, I'm just genuinely surprised. At, I guess the audacity of Google. I think it's kind of crazy that to me that they think that they can just basically do do what they want and there's going to be no consequence. Clearly, they're just doing this whole mm-hmm. like shift around in their AI ethics department, and loads of the people in the team are outwardly on twitter saying that they're totally unhappy about their managers both being fired they're you know they haven't been told any of the new processes it's kind of yeah very wild i think it's google Um, have a history of doing this right because in 2019 i think it was they had an ethics board an ai ethics board and they dissolved it really quickly and they're just like like, never mind guys (laughs) you know what no and now they're doing this and you know what i think is that also this is much worse in terms of PR than publishing a paper that says large language models are bad for the environment and that there's all these other... Pro- like, 
that was to me a criticism of all of AI or all of NLP, not specifically 100%. Google. Like universities Google. also use these large language models. All these other companies, you know, this is so much I worse. So much worse. It's it's and but I just think it kind of shows that they they genuinely thought that oh you know, um, we can treat treat Timnit this way and there won't be any consequences and I specifically. Um, seen her speaking out about the treatment of black um, black women at Google and especially like minorities at Google and how um, they just c- clearly have shown like no respect mm-hmm. and keeps keep saying it's like a pipeline issue yeah when actually it's a Google issue and it's how they they've been treating their their black employees yeah. and it's it's yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy but. It obviously just shows they they know they have significant power and that they they're not going to be severely damaged with this because people will still use Google search engine unfortunately and um, Gmail and everything else and it's yeah I think they they know that they have that so much power now that even it's something that's technically a bad PR for them they'll um, unfortunately they won't really feel I don't think a significant effect yeah and it. And, it's just really sad for Timnit because I've seen her speaking out about how much harassment and bullying she's had on Twitter and death threats and really oh nasty, um, like, knock-on effects from this. It must be really traumatic for her. Yeah. Yeah, and I I hope she's at least, um, you know, comforted by the, the also the outpouring of support that there's been from, from the community and also for Margaret Mitchell. I mean, I think I saw her tweet uh, announcing that she'd been fired pretty early on and it already had like thousands of uh, likes and comments and people reaching out to to show support. So, yeah, it's just it's crazy because they're both they are both like so, so well respected in in the AI ethics community and just in the tech community at large. Like everyone worldwide knows who they are, not just in the US. They're so, so respected. So I just it's just crazy to me that. Google thought they could just kind of dispose of them so quickly in just such a mm-hmm. just such a shitty way, really. Yeah, was... yeah, and then they're... but I think unfortunately you're probably right that there's ultimately not going to be any negative consequences for Google. No, um, from this, I mean, even before uh, Margaret was also uh, fired. I feel like the the whole thing with Timnit was already dying down and less people were talking about it and mm-hmm. um people were just kind of moving on and um yeah I think this is this is the problem though with I think any large corporation they especially operating in the US because there aren't as many workers rights in the US as there are mm-hmm. in Europe per se they know they can just do this like you wouldn't be able to really do this in the UK just fire like lock someone out their email and then fight them um or you you could but it takes many more steps whereas in the US there aren't the same protections I think large corporations know they can just be like well you don't suit us anymore you spoke out it it didn't you don't work for our brand anymore goodbye and it's just kind of like it's quite it's the American culture like that is quite ruthless the working culture but I don't know but on, on to the New Yorker article yeah, we'll we'll keep everybody updated with the the Google situation, but yeah, let's yeah move on to the the article. Yeah, I was gonna say um, the New York article. I felt like um, in terms of the writing style, I felt like it was a bit. I know we just were speaking about this before we were on air, but it <laughs> feels like it's a bit 
mishmashed. It doesn't feel like... I don't know. I was expecting when I saw the title to to kind of get a conclusion from the title of... Um, <laughs> who should stop unethical AI? There we go. I was expecting from like who should stop unethical AI. I thought there would be some kind of conclusion or talk about who should be that person or I thought yeah. the author of the article might um, go into a bit of, more of an opinion on what they thought by... I feel like really it was, don't, yeah. Yeah, I felt like it was, to me, it was just a lot of he, he said, she said in the article, like, this researcher said this, and then this researcher said this. I'm, I'm not sure how, like, coherent it was as a whole, which was a bit disappointing, actually. Yeah, I felt like um, it was kind of lacking in, in terms of uh, having a conclusion um, and a, I guess what the point of it was at the end. So um, the article just kind of goes through... I guess all the like little like Twitter scandals that there's been over the last couple of years in terms of um, papers that were sort of questionable, um, and at the end, it not only doesn't offer, uh, like the the author's opinion, it doesn't offer a, an answer to the question or even like a synthesized version of everything. Like here are all the possible. Um, ways to do it but I think it's also interesting that the paper uh, not the paper sorry you can tell I'm an academic (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like the the article was you know at some point saying that the problem is that the field of AI or AI research is self-regulated and then this is part of the problem that there's no like Mm. rules or like yeah it's more like norms and not um Strict law. And weirdly, and I don't know if uh, the article is written by an American, <laughs> but the fact that there's no mention of regulation, um, for example, you know, which would be, I don't know, for me, I always think when somebody needs, like, I don't I am not <laughs> a liberal in the strictest sense, so I think that regulation plays an important mm-hmm. role in um, making society better. <laughs> Um, so this seems like a, a prime maybe spot for, for regulation to step in and say something about AI research. And I realize that regulation is difficult for AI because it just moves so fast. Um, but, you know, the, the article is talking about how... Sorry, there's one there's one sentence in the article where the... <laughs> um, the they're interviewing the... Uh, Gabriel, I think he does the ethics board stuff for for NeurIPS and he's saying that the ethics statements on the papers are surprisingly <laughs> good for people with strictly ter- technical knowledge. Man is triggered. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bit like, come on, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people can write. Uh, we're all humans. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's clearly a, a lack of education and I think the problem with AI ethics is that so far, there's been no education in, mm-hmm. in AI ethics when you're studying AI. Um, and that's, I think, probably part of the problem is that all of a sudden they're saying you need to really think about the the outcomes, the possible outcomes of your work. Um, and I think that's that's good. But when you're asking people, all of a sudden, you know, they're, I don't know, I'm... No, I, I, no, I understand what you're saying. I feel like this falls into the, yeah, the episode when we spoke about... Um, uh, should you publish unethical research and um yeah yeah and we were talking about how like now a lot of papers at conferences um you need an ethics statement and 
not like you were saying like you've gone from never having to do that before to suddenly being told like what ethical consequences does your research have and think about what like you have to like justify these ethical consequences and how you came to that I guess it's um well, it just kind of, it did just kind of come out of nowhere, didn't it? It's like one day you one day you it didn't did, have to I do think, that at a conference, yeah. and now you, you do. And I saw in the article they were yeah. saying obviously a lot um, a lot of papers were rejected on the premise that their ethical statements weren't they weren't ethical. They wasn't their research wasn't being done ethically. Yeah. And I guess it's a a shock going from not having that to suddenly having that. And I I think yeah, yeah and I just think you're right not and, having yeah. Yeah, I think the article should also touch more on like the regulation side, definitely. Yeah, and I, I think there's also, you know, there hasn't been a lot of guidance for people. Also, the fact that when you write a paper, it's not like you did that work last week and now you're submitting it to a conference. You know, there's usually months, maybe even years of work behind the paper. Yeah. Um, And to be clear, I mean, I do think that we should be made to think about the, the impact of our work. Um. I think it's super important. I think, you know, actually, you know, my, my PhD is about worrying about the impact of design decisions mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the, the, the models that you're building, all of that. Uh, so I'm not saying that this isn't important, but I think that um, we need to be more mindful about what, what we're asking from people, especially because my feeling is that people haven't given, haven't been given a lot of guidance in, in terms of, exactly and we live in a society that has like really undervalued the humanities up until this point yeah and um, you know in the in the uk it's really hard beyond your your undergrad to get any kind of funding to study philosophy or 100 percent. yeah even and in the us i know we spoke about this before but now um mbas are considered like the be all and end all it's like you must have a master's business and administration um, to to be even like considered to work at some of the good companies where mm-hmm. people want jobs and like you said and in I remember at my university my department my philosophy lecturers were always moaning that the department was completely underfunded yeah and that the humanities were constantly being underfunded and it, I do think it's obviously great to yes the future is definitely um, in like computer science and stuff and it's great for to have you know that kind of funding but also that the humanities can't be wiped out either because we're seeing how like both kind of go hand in hand like yeah if you want to have like ethical courses in computer science it's probably going to be run by probably a philosopher teaching it so mm-hmm. it's, they kind of need to be um hand in hand rather than completely devaluing it and I think also devaluing um that doing a humanities degree means that you can't that you won't have transferable skills for the the real working the, yeah. world, which is... Yeah, exactly. Look at the real working world now. It's The problem is that we've really, I think, maybe over-specialized people. Maybe we need to go back to the Renaissance where mathematicians and artists and all of that. We're all as one. You know? <laughs> it's true, um, though. It's like, yeah. I, I feel like it's even, I know this is going off on a scapegoat but just even the fact like the UK during coronavirus didn't value the arts enough to put funding in and they're telling the UK government is telling people to retrain in real skills they were calling them which means being in AI or in tech and I was like that's Mm -hmm. so unfair to 
to artists and creators because they also have just add just as much value because who do you think is a, a designer designs a product that's a creative mind do you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I don't know so I think yeah you're right I think we need to go back to having everything like everything together actually yeah yeah it's like uh, maybe encourage more more diversity in teams as well I mean I think definitely I, yeah um because you can't have one mind type either can you because um you know like you can't have just someone who's got a mathematical brain for example working on 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 a product because it's going to be a one-sided one way of like thinking and it's not necessarily going to think out of the box that's why I do think yeah you like yeah diversity of um of different um subjects is really important yeah anyway I want to go back uh, <laughs> towards the article and talking about an ethical research because I mean this was a an argument that I've had an argument maybe a discussion that I've had with with people in the past about whether we should even be doing uh, this research right because actually the article does talk about this idea so basically when we for people who haven't listened to that episode or as a refresher um i think one of the answers we had to whether ai sorry unethical research should be published was that by publishing this research people know that it's possible so a lot of people will publish a paper that is doing something technically unethical but they put in this caveat that they're only publishing this so that people are aware that um, this research can take, this is happening because if we can do it, then obviously the government can other do it can. and other people yeah. can, right? And so if as long as people are aware that it's feasible, um, then it's it's good. And what they'll do is maybe not publish the, the model. So a lot of the time in, in AI research, you, you publish the paper and you publish your code or your, your pre-trained models or... Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they won't do that. They'll just publish a paper explaining what they've done, the results, etc., so that people are aware. And the in, the in the article that we're talking about today, somebody, <laughs> one of the people who are interviewed, talk about this exactly this this um, response, and they accept that yeah, that's that's a reasonable argument. Although they caution against the the idea that you know. You can do anything with AI as long as you put in this little disclaimer that we're just doing it so that um, people see it. And I, I want, yeah, I think to some extent I can give people a, a bit of a a way out of like having to think about their unethical research. Because then if somebody tells you, hey, that's a bit dodgy, then you could be like, I'm doing it so that everybody knows that it's doable. Um, but I'm not sure that that's enough of a reason to not want to publish unethical research yeah i think yeah yeah it's a tricky one isn't it uh but i think you're right because if like this research will be done regardless like if it's something unethical so it is good for Mm -hmm. it for it to be public knowledge so people can be aware of oh you know this is this is what could happen this is the implication if someone actually took this to the market and made this into a product or continued this i think it's good for people to know but at the same time, yes, I do think obviously it can lead into the risk of someone being like, oh, I was just doing it to, you know, <laughs> make people aware. And when actually, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's hard. Yeah. But I do think like, yeah, I do think, for example, like biotechnology, you know, it's good that people are publishing the research they've been working on. For example, that Chinese scientist that 
kind of was accused of breaking the rules because he created the first gene edited babies, the first that we know of anyway. But obviously that went public and that research was published and it's very important because obviously biotechnology is working with, you know, like could potentially alter our DNA, it can alter our genes. It's working within our biology. So stuff like that, in my opinion, has to get published. We need to know what could happen. But then also I get why we would question, but why are you also doing that? Yeah, it's... Ah, it's difficult, I think, because also, I, I, I guess, with the, the publication of unethical research, just bec- like, uh, and I think we might have covered this in the last episode as well, was that this idea that, okay, just because you've published it in a conference, does that mean that the actual people that are going to be affected by by this technology are going to somehow stumble into your publication or even like the media are going to, you know, like newspapers and stuff will find this publication and publish it and then the general population will be aware of this i don't know i think like you know there's thousands of papers at the bigger conferences and Mm -hmm. i i think it's it's going to be still difficult for people to actually see this research so i don't know i'm i know my mind's not totally made up (laughs) same i feel like it's it's hard to know because i think because a lot, I feel like a lot of these uh, papers that make it to academic conferences and that get published don't necessarily even make it to media headlines, mm-hmm. do they? Exactly. Or, th- or, or they, they make, don't... Th- when they make it, they're all twisted. It's like a, a game of telephone, right? But... Yeah, so it's like I don't really... Yeah, and I'm not sure how much the, the populations are understanding what actually the research means or looking into it on a deeper level, maybe. Yeah. So, Oh, I don't know. I thought, yeah, my mind's unmade up about, still unmade up about the publishing of unethical research. Like, I think one part of me is like, why are you doing this in the first place? Are you trying to prove to us that this is what can happen to stop people doing it? Or mm-hmm. or are you actually going to guide someone else to to then think this is a fabulous idea <laughs> and, then, and then actually create yeah. a kind of disastrous product? Some of them I even think like, what like how do you even come up with the idea of wanting to do this like uh, the, the the model to tell whether somebody was gay or not from a picture of their face right this like sort of automatic gaydar mm-hmm. who who even thinks i i don't know like it just this is i can't imagine writing a proposal for like you know what i really want to build it's crazy <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. So that I, I guess for me that's a little bit more concerning, right? That that's what I mean. I think something to me is wrong in in your mind if you even come up with these. Yeah, I think it's quite worrying actually because when you think about how that kind of research could be taken up by people with like serious homophobia, and they would use that in definitely dangerous ways. So I don't know. It's 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 very it's very. It's very murky waters about the unethical research. Like I do see both sides of the coin. Like yes, it should be out there so we know what's happened, mm-hmm. but also what could happen or what what people have the potential to do. But then also I'm like, why are you doing that? Like you said, research in the first place. Because why would you want to look into um, into that in the first place? What what's what's up with you? Do you know what I mean? And if we even look at that historically, yeah, anything that's come like unethical research has usually come from really nasty like dictatorships or yeah so I I don't know gosh I think we're up on our time you know Uh, that's kind of that's kind of a dark way to end the episode but yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, we're ending in a dark. I guess this was a pretty dark episode overall. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, if anyone would be interested to hear what other people's thoughts were on the New Yorker article, um, I mean, I think it's great that AI ethics is being spoken about in big publications, which is great yeah. to see. But um, definitely had some criticisms of it. But yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and if you want to follow us on social media, we're at Let's Chat Ethics on Twitter and Let's Chat Ethics at gmail.com. If you want to ask us any questions or have any feedback or anything, that would be great. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.